everyone. You're listening to the Artist Chronicles podcast from the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. I am your host, Antoinette Ellis, also known as Tony, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 3. Each week, we will highlight an artist. It could be a visual artist, a dancer, an actor or actress, or a singer. But we aren't going to tell you their name. Throughout the podcast, it's your job to listen and try and figure out who we're talking about. Let's get started. Our story begins on a cool autumn night in October 1881. In a little town in Spain, a young woman, Maria, cried out as she gave birth to a little baby boy. It was her first child with her husband, Jose. The birth had been long and painful, and the little baby was born very weak. So weak, in fact, that the midwife who had assisted with the birth thought the baby wasn't even breathing. She swaddled the newborn and went to check on the mother. While she tended to the exhausted mother, the baby's uncle, who was also a doctor, tended to the newborn. He was able to revive the baby. The new parents were thrilled and bestowed a 23-word name on him using names of family members and saints. The little boy's father was a teacher at a local art school, and from an early age, the boy also showed an interest in art. His very first word was peas, which is a shortened form of lapis, the Spanish word for pencil. As the little boy grew, his father would take him to the local plaza to paint the birds that congregated there. His dad would start the painting and then step back, allowing the boy to complete the piece. And while his father was extremely proud of his young son's artistic talent, he also worried for his son because his grades at school were not so good. He spent all his time creating art. In 1891, the boy's father took another art position at a college on the west coast of Spain. The entire family, which now also included two young girls, moved there. Even though he was still a child, the boy enrolled in his father's ornamental drawing classes, also adding courses on figure drawing and painting landscapes. By the time the boy was approaching his teenage years, his artistic talent had surpassed his father's. He would go on to say in an interview much later in his life, I never drew like a child. When I was 12, I drew like Raphael. He would hone his art skills doing oil paintings of family, friends, and assorted town misfits, and everyone agreed. His paintings looked nothing like that of a child. But then, tragedy struck the family. The now 13-year-old boy's young sister passed away from a disease called diphtheria. The boy was heartbroken at the loss of his sister, so when the boy's father was offered a position at an art school in Barcelona, the family jumped at the chance to relocate. Upon their arrival, the talented teenager took an exam to be able to take the senior course on classical art and still life at his father's new college. For most people, this exam would take an entire month to complete. But not this boy. He completed it in under a week and easily passed. The professors could not believe his talent and knew that there was a prodigy in their midst. It wasn't long before the boy, now a young man, had moved on from his father's college. At his father's and uncle's suggestion, 
he applied to and was accepted by the Academia Real de San Fernando in Madrid. Unfortunately, the young man did not find the classes there to be very stimulating, calling them stodgy, and stopped going. Instead, he would spend his days at the Prado, Spain's National Art Museum. This museum displayed artwork by some of the greats like Diego Velázquez, Francisco Goya, and El Greco. He especially liked the pieces by El Greco and would draw inspiration from those stylistic elements in his later work. At the turn of the century, the young man decided to head to the art capital of the world, Paris, France. He hit it off with a young French man named Max, who helped the young artist learn how to speak the language, and before long, they shared a one-room apartment together. The two men were very poor, usually pretty hungry, and more often than not, cold. The poor struggling artist even resorted to burning many of his early works in an effort to keep the small apartment warm. His desperation and unhappiness can be seen in the surviving artwork from that time period. He used muted shades of blue or blue-green, making the art appear very somber. Around 1904, he had enough of the blues and moved on to orange, pink, and red. These paintings are much lighter and feel more hopeful with a young man focusing on lighter subjects such as circus people. One thing is for sure, the artist never seemed to run out of innovative ideas for his art. Along with a friend, he developed a new style of art called Cubism. When he grew tired of that, he moved on to Neoclassism and Surrealism. And when he grew tired of that, he tried his hand at sculpting. His creations were constantly changing throughout his entire life. His work culminated in a mixture of styles in his last few years of life, resulting in more expressive and colorful pieces. In April 1973, after a very full, very vibrant life, this creative, inventive, and gifted man quietly passed away after having dinner with friends at his home in France at the age of 91. Can you guess who this amazing painter could be? Well, he might have been born with a 23-word name, but we know him simply by one, Picasso. This has been a production by the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. Teachers, for additional lessons and downloads that correspond to this podcast, please check out more information at artsintegration.com forward slash accelerator.